Hey everyone, welcome to the Pain-Free Golf Performance Podcast, a podcast dedicated towards helping you stay healthy so you can stay on the golf course and not in the clubhouse. We will be covering all things golf, from fitness, performance, injury recovery, instruction, and everything else in between. I am your host, Dr. Russ Manalastis. I am a board-certified sports physical therapist and strength coach based out of Rochester, New York. Our goal with this podcast is to help you play your best golf yet while doing so without limitations. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. All right, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Pain-Free Golf Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Russ. Today, we are joined by Dr. Shane Lawler. Shane is a sports chiropractor who owns the Lawler Clinic in Ireland. He's a Titleist Performance Institute certified coach, and he spent the last 10 years helping golf athletes on the PGA and European Tour. Shane, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, for, thanks for so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, brother. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, so listen, I'm, I'm really excited to kind of maybe kind of talk to you about your experience and, you know, what kind of, you know, led you kind of down this journey. So maybe for the listeners, could you just tell us a little bit about your background in terms of education, maybe your early journey in terms of work environment, where you worked prior to obviously working on the tour? Well, I have a boss. That's my wife. She's also a chiropractor. <laughs> <laughs> um, I graduated in 2006 with a Bachelor of Science in chiropractic from the University of Glamorgan, which is now the University of South Wales, where I'm taking my uh, MSc in sports medicine. Because my wife was a year, well, she was my girlfriend at the time, because she was a year below me, I decided to either try and get a job in Wales or somewhere close. So I, I was lucky enough, I got a job in Bristol in a pretty large practice. So my boss at the time had 25 years experience. Sure. So I think he graduated, I'm 38 next week. I think he graduated the, in 82. Okay. <laughs> so he's got some experience for sure. Yeah, so it wasn't, it was, it was more, it wasn't very sports related clinic, but I learned a lot about the management of the business and the stuff we don't learn in college. Definitely. And Karen and I knew we'd come home at some stage. So Karen's from the north, she's from Derry, and I'm from Kerry, which is south. So you couldn't get any further apart. So we said, okay, we'll set up in the middle. So our clinic is an hour west of Dublin. So we're right between Dublin and Limerick on the main motorway. Nice. And that clinic has been open for how long now? Uh, we are in our 11th year. Oh, oh nine, we opened. That's awesome. Good yeah. for you guys. Well, it's not open at the moment. It's in lockdown. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, again, on the, for the listeners, we're recording this during a pandemic. So you know, right now, uh, healthcare is a little bit more in flux with regards to the sports medicine outpatient world. So, you know, it's, it's given us an opportunity to maybe have a little bit more conversation with Shane, which is great too. Yeah. We have a lot more free time. That's right, for sure. You're going to get a lot less no's from people. <laughs> That's so true, for sure. So tell us a little bit more kind of about, you know, when, when you started kind of up in, in uh, your, your first job, you know, and even though it wasn't really kind of sports related, you know, did you always kind of have this, this passion or to kind of gravitate towards sports at some point in time down your career? It's, it's funny. I've been asked this question before and I was like, when I graduated, I was like, okay, I had no real big picture. And, and then I think within the first year, I was like, okay, I think I've read a Tony Robbins book. Probably Awaken the Giant was in is probably the, I, th- I think that's the book. Okay. And I was like, okay, it yeah. says in the, somewhere in that book, it says you need a five-year plan. <laughs> so my plan was I want to be an elite sports chiropractor in time. Sure. I was just a, a new graduate then. So I knew, okay, what do I need to do to have the skill set to, to help me? I'm not going to say that golf was on the, on the radar because it's not easy as a Cairo to get into, to, into sports related jobs. Sure. Funny enough, 
February 2009, get an email from a sports chiropractor in Australia that worked with a number of players, and he was looking to hire a chiropractor to join his team. Huh. Now, he listed, I remember the email. I will always remember the email. <laughs> he wanted four qualities. He wanted somebody who had Titleist Performance Institute training. Didn't have it. Sure. He wanted somebody with a minimum of five years experience. Oh, there's me shot. So, oh for two so far. <laughs> Keen interest in sports. Okay, that's me. Yeah. And the other thing was he wanted somebody that had good hands-on soft tissue skills. So, I had just finished my training with ART nice. or active release techniques, which you'd be aware. Of, more your US listeners would be aware of it. Yeah. That's probably the thing that set me apart from the rest of the applicants. So he hired two of us. He hired a chiropractor, Jesper Dahl, who a lot of experience. Jesper had been in the sporting field anyway. And then he hired me and knew he, based on what he saw, he said, look, I'm going to take a, well, in Ireland we would say, take a punt. Well, I should say, he'll take a punt and say, look, I'm going to keep you on. I'm going to train you. And the door was opened. Yeah. Now, the interesting, a lot of people can talk themselves into different positions. And we all know, as, as much as I like social media for connecting, there is a lot of what I would say spoofing and bluffing oh, and, and yeah. you need to have a really good filter for what's good quality sure. and, and necessarily the next best, or next best thing. Sure. So I had, a, uh, I had an interview at the Irish Open 2009, the one that Shane won as an amateur. Uh, Shane Lowry won as an amateur, yeah. so it's funny. Yeah, yeah. First event we're together. <laughs> And uh, I didn't work with him then, but uh, I was I was delighted to see an Irish winner, and then awesome. to see an Irish amateur winner. Sure, as, as you'll know, Russ, there's not many amateurs that have won any events right. of of the PGA Tour or European Tour quality. Yeah, and then what it progressed from there was that it was a six month trial. I think maybe it's either three months or six months, and effectively players had to go, yay or nay. Huh, and. One of the things I knew was going to count against me is I'm, I'm, I'm 38 next week, but I was very baby-faced then. I was 27 or 28. I knew that was going to count against me. And I know after the fact that a lot of people are always young, but given where credit's due, they allowed me to, to work on them and then say, okay, do you know what? I, I like your skill set. Sure. And the, the trial went fine. And then the company expanded quite big. And, and, and at the height of it, when we were all working as a company, it was, I think 2014, 2015, it started, people started going separate way, but we had nine practitioners, seven to nine practitioners, podiatrist and 30 something players. So we were providing cover at basically every European PGA tour event on a private concierge basis. Sure. That's incredible. So I got, I, I got a, was I, there was an expert in golf then no i started doing my titleist performance institute training through the medicals i started in 09 and i think uh, i think in 2010 i did two of them and and continue oh well i, I i've continued my uh, postgraduate training as much as possible since then sure. and i got to learn from a chiropractor that had 20 something years experience again so i got a like for for the young docs or physios and chiros and physical therapists well interchangeable but if you're interested in golf therapist then you need to find a mentor yeah you can go to a titleist course you'll learn the screen it's great but you won't know what to do with it yeah and i got daily training i was put under the gauntlet i felt like there was a bunsen burner lid under me (laughs) but it didn't make me anxious or nervous in that sense but it i knew i i was surrounded by a team of 
people that could support me. Yeah, for sure. And I think to the application, like you said, like, you know, again, giving someone the framework of how to screen or how to maybe do things that a little more specific to the golf person is one thing, but how then to apply it to work on certain aspects of your training, whatever it may be, that's a whole different story. And I think like you had mentioned, the framework is a good place to start, but then you need someone to help maybe kind of mentor you to figure out how best to integrate some of the stuff that you learn from the screen and best apply it. Yeah. I, I couldn't do trial and error when I was on tour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. End of there's, there's, it's got to work. It, for me, it's, it's all about finding the, the least amount of input and that input varies. It could be yeah. ART manipulation, soft tissue work, movement yeah. prep work, muscle activation, right, right. strength and conditioning and finding what works best for that athlete without effectively messing up their swing right. or making them tired. Yeah. Where if you, you or I have an amateur, well, now at the moment it's telehealth, but if we have an amateur golfer, I'm not really too conscious that I could do affect their swing negatively. Right. But everything we do to the body is negative or positive. What right. we say, what we do with our hands, our programming, everything right. can, can yeah. change everything. Right. And I think too, like when you talk about, you know, when you're working with the upper echelon, especially like the elite golfer playing at the professional level, there are a lot of things that you can do that could potentially do more harm, even though your intention is well-intentioned, right? So um, I, th I think that's an important aspect to know when you're dealing with some of those players where they're at the very, very 1% of, you know, the, the professional ranks there. Even though you are well-intentioned with what you want to do, that could potentially have a negative consequence for them. I know. I mean, I, may, I can, I, I, people don't like to say their bad points. I made two mistakes that I can remember vividly pop up to me. When I first started, I did probably too much heavy ART in a certain player's calf. Now it wasn't going to cost me the job. He just said, Hey, he told me to back off and it was fine. Yeah. Which yeah. You, you learn now. We obviously in the last 10 years, we've learned a, a lot about soft tissue. It's not ground and pound. Yeah. <laughs> we really don't know the mechanisms of, of, probably more neurological than anything. Do we change the tissue and tendon structure? Probably not. No. The Stecco family who have done fascialization with now, that's not a technique I use on tour, but I learned, I did their level one, level two. They've sure. just brought out a paper recently that's called T1 mapping using MRI. So they looked at the unbound water, free unbound water of five chronic elbow, uh, tennis elbow patients. And they had more unbound water and then they did fashion manipulation treatment and the unbound water decrease so i think there are some tissue changes that we don't know right yeah i know i know it works maybe it's not good enough for being fully evidence-based but i we know tissue work has worked we know that tissue work has been done for thousands of years if we go back to the chinese medicine yeah and there there are things that we don't know about it yeah and i think too like you said the providing a, a different stimulus than maybe what the body is currently experiencing. Sometimes it's maybe the, the only thing that can yield a positive result, positive or negative, like you talked about, right? The whole idea I mean, of, of ground and pound, yeah. like that is not, that's not the thing anymore. Right. So no. maybe, yeah, for sure. And then the other, the other mistake I made, I, I, it was at the Welsh open or Wales open at the time players, I think it's like glute men, glute mead wasn't relaxing. And now I decided that I, he wasn't playing very well at the time. There was uh, certainly in that tournament, but his left hip was a little achy. So I dropped probably one needle in that morning, yeah. pre-round, pre and I never did it yeah. before. 
shouldn't have done it, huh. but I did. <laughs> he did pull out of the tournament because, well, he said it was good, but he wasn't playing very well at the time. But you learn from the mistakes. So, yeah. so to me, if I was doing acupuncture or Western dry needling, that was left in the beginning of the week. Yeah, yeah. And I think too, I think you, you should, I mean, you look at those, oppor- those opportunities or at least maybe those quote unquote mistakes, you look at them as an opportunity to grow from them, right? And to learn from yeah. them so that moving forward, you know how best to maybe manage some of these different things depending on the situation that you're in. And then the other thing is I, I had a really good track record with neck pain. If a player got in bother, even, even if it wasn't one of my primary clients I hadn't worked with, if I could get to them early in the week, I could get them getting them playing. Yeah. So I had, yeah. Very little, I had very little players that withdrew with neck pain. And, you know, when you look at, when you were talking about, obviously you had basically a three-month or six-month job interview, I think your skill set obviously speaks to you doing what you wanted to do and making sure that obviously your skill set resonated with the people that you were treating or managing, right? So, you know, I think those things can go a long way in showing people like you don't need to know everything under the sun, but you also need to understand how to manage and how to, you know, make, allow people to kind of recover in a way that obviously resonates with them. Yeah, my main focus probably in the first four or five years, six years of, of graduating was getting good at manual therapy, trying to get my manipulative skills, the soft tissue skills. Yeah. Then I was getting better at screening because through Titleist uh, level one screen than SFMA, I went to Minneapolis to do FMS. Yeah. And I started saying, okay, where are my weaknesses? So I was introduced to dynamic neurostabilization uh, by Craig Morris, who's one of the international instructors in 2011. DNS kind of made sense to me. My wife had a heavy pediatric uh, practice and she was, I could see how it all fit in, but it didn't fit. I think Charlie Weingroff, who we all know, said it doesn't necessarily fit to Western strength and conditioning. And over the last nine, 10 years, DNS has evolved massively. So they've taken out the reflex locomotion, avoid the therapy to pay homage to them. So that's out. And it's a lot more, uh, integrated into yeah. to what we would do for, for normal movement patterns. So I got stronger and stronger in certainly in the last five, six, seven years in strength and conditioning. And I spent a lot of time around strength and conditioning coaches. Yeah. Because I, I, funny, I put it, you'll have seen my Instagram post or Twitter. I, I Nick Wiggleman has just released a book language yeah. coaching. We've probably all been waiting for that book for, for years because we do a really poor job as manual therapists of, of cueing the patients. We think we're doing a good job, but you ask a patient back, even if it's only a manual therapy session, what's your diagnosis? Most of them will be able to, to feed back what you said to them. Yeah, sure. So, and Laura Mosley was on Craig Liebenson's telehealth uh, series on Thursday night. I watched it yeah. Friday because the time zone didn't suit. Yeah. Laura, wow. I mean, from pain science, one of the biggest, I don't use the word, but he's one of the leading experts in the world in pain yes. science. He so says he's even getting it wrong. Right. And if there's one thing is it's education. Goes a long way, right? Yeah. And I think the delivery of that, the message and the power of communication and how you deliver those messages, I mean, that's everything, right? And again, whether you're doing manual therapy, whether you're doing strength conditioning, whether you're doing any other type of modality with regards to treatment, how you deliver and how you educate it to make sure that, you know, you understand or the person understands what, what the goal is at the end. I mean, I think that's a huge part that a lot of clinicians and a lot of maybe younger clinicians have a tendency to miss as well. And then the, the one thing I would say to young clinicians, make sure you learn how to communicate and educate, learn how to connect with people. Yeah. And the other thing is if you, if you get, if you want to put yourself in an elite environment, bring your A game every day, not every day, every second. Yeah, sure. Because certain players will demand excellence from you. Yeah. 
And if you don't feel comfortable with that, then maybe it's not the space that yeah the space that you're in because you will get found out very quickly. Well, we've had conversations with, with other people who've who've been on tour, and they're like, "Hey, listen, if you don't know your stuff, you're going to be found out pretty quickly, right?" And, they'll, yeah. and a lot of tour pros and stuff like that, or even people at a collegiate level, they'll see right through you. And so you need to be able to, like you said, bring your A game not only every day but every second that you're with your your players, so that they understand you are well invested in them and they want, they, you want to see them succeed as best as they can. Yeah. So let's do this. Um, you know, maybe give us a glimpse, you know, obviously with you being on the tour for, for 10 years, I mean, that's a, that's, that's a very extended amount of time. So maybe give us an idea as to maybe what a day usually consists of with you. Like, you know, maybe give us a breakdown, like you've got tournaments or whatever it may be. Give us a kind of breakdown as to kind of what that day might look like for you, Shane. A tour day, no tour day. You can ask all the guys on tour. <laughs> they, they were never the same. Right. You could think you could potentially schedule this. Okay, I got all this time. I can read here. Oh. No chance. Every player's schedule was different. So regularly, we'd probably on a normal tournament, we would see them on a Tuesday. Try and get to them, see them in the morning, check them. The advantage we had is if we saw them 30 weeks a year, we knew when they were sneezing in the wrong direction. So <laughs> we would kind of know if something was off. Yeah. Particularly, we'd need to know if they were making swing changes or if they've changed golf coach or if they've changed strength and conditioning coach or if they've changed clubs, which can happen. Yeah. Traditionally, on a normal tour day, you're looking, it could be a 14, 16 hour day. I've done sessions at 6 a.m. in the morning. I've done treatments at 10 a.m. or 10 p.m. at night. Right. Now, I'm not working for 16 hours straight, but it's a long day. It's a long day, for sure. It could be two breakfasts, two lunches, and two dinners. No, it's very, <laughs> very enjoyable in, in that sense. But what, like I said there about bringing your A game, if you're off for four hours and, okay, player needs treatment, you need to switch on really, really quickly. So they, sure. they, it was interesting because I'm not saying that I, I probably sometimes bring too much of that high athleticism treatment to, to some of my normal patients and it can be exhausting because you're yes. fully enveloped in, in, in the session. Yeah. So normally we'd see them for 30 minute prep and then an hour of, of soft tissue and movement therapy. Now people say, well, maybe you're doing too much soft tissue work, but the other thing which we'll come on to later, cause I know it's one of your questions, the fact that they were on our table for an hour and us going through, our different modalities it's an hour of them not playing it was an hour of downtime yeah. it was an hour of them being left alone because if they didn't want to talk to me i'd leave them alone sometimes just chat and i often try to keep the conversation away from golf because yeah. they have enough people bothering them yeah yeah and and it was now now what's happened what happened say from 09 as the years went on wi-fi smartphones <laughs> 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 yeah I think it's a big, big issue for, for any elite athlete now. Even myself, we're always checking it. And as we all know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, they drip feed your notifications. No question. You don't get, if somebody, 100 people like the post at the same time, you will not get those 100 notifications. No, we'll put them over a couple hours. <laughs> That's, later, right. Keep checking. That's right. So the demand, I noticed the, I, the, noticed the demands on, on players that they because they were on Wi-Fi things, they were always checking. There was emails, there was notifications of people, and they were calling. Instead of where we in the earlier days in 09, and probably I, I, I can begin to imagine even beyond then, because 
they were traveling very differently, say back right. in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Yeah. They were getting a lot more downtime. Yeah. I think our biggest problem now is if it lead up is, is the recovery. Yeah. yeah it's not necessarily that they're like it's bad enough some of them overtrain, but the if they're not uh, if they're not relaxing and recovering down. And that's the problem. I think this is it's gonna come to it's gonna become a problem in the in the the last six weeks has been global change to the whole world. Right. Athletes now they can train, but if they don't have a good setup in the gym, they're likely just gonna drop down a lot of their athleticism and you'll be probably aware of the NFL lockout. The players came back, huge spike in injuries. Yep. Yep. And the problem is that TV money sponsorship is going to push athletes of every sport yep. get back as quickly as possible. Right. I yeah. think they and like take well take make it golf civic. The golf courses aren't open. I think Flor I saw something somewhere Florida is going to open the golf courses now. Yeah. So let's hope they can ramp up their loading, but it is effectively it's a it whether they're doing the proper preseason now is a, is another question. Yeah, it's true. It's just a, it's a different environment, right? When you're used to a certain standard and then all of a sudden you get that taken away because either your gym is closed or you can't train like you normally would with, with whatever coach or trainer. Mm-hmm. And then you try and ramp it up, you know, with maybe, you know, too little time. You, you definitely see that spike in mm-hmm. some of these repetitive stress injuries or some of these kind of overuse injuries that kind of, have, kind of spike have a tendency to become a little bit more prevalent as, as you kind of ramp things back up. I'm very interested in what's going to happen with the Ryder Cup. Yeah. I worked at Project Harrington for, for most of those 10 years. Um, utmost respect for the man. Sure. And uh, I, think it, I think Rory hit the nail on the head. They don't want to play this event without the fans. The problem they have is the Ryder Cup is this, you're looking at people coming from so many places. Right. And I even saw today that the, uh, I think he's an ex-president or prime minister of uh, Japan who's now on the head of the Olympic Committee for the Olympics that's obviously been moved. Right. He said, if it doesn't go ahead in 2021, it's scrapped, it's done, we're, we're, wow. we're, we're done. Yeah, a lot of implications with, with regards to what we got going on right now. I miss sport. Yeah. Thank God for the Last Dance documentary. That's all right. It's, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Well, Shane, let's do this. Can you uh, maybe kind of tell me, you know, some of the things that you try and implement or maybe kind of educate your players or maybe the people that you're seeing in your clinic with regards to recovery, right? Again, I think recovery is something that we know a lot of, but maybe some of the recreational golfers or some of the, you know, some of the, even the collegiate or even some of the tour pro guys, maybe it's not on their radar as much as it should be. Maybe kind of, you know, talk about some of the stuff that you try and implement or, or try and kind of educate your players on. So two keystones for me, and they haven't changed even since 09, sleep and nutrition. Yeah, low-hanging fruit, right? Very easy to implement. Um, yeah. Particularly with the change of places, you have to be careful. Let's, say, let's take, use China, for example. We won't beat them down anymore. But <laughs> <laughs> I've had players get uh, gastro, the diarrhea, because you just simply can't eat anything with water that's been yeah. washed or, or prepared with, in, in, with water. It's a good yeah. nutrition. It's pretty yeah. simple. Reach out to Robert Yang that worked for TPI, he's got a simple book. It's not, look, eat protein, fats, carbohydrates. Balanced diet. And then sleep, sleep eight hours a day. And if I had my choice, if I didn't have two young boys, I'd sleep eight hours and then I'd nap for 30 (laughs) minutes. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think people are looking for the next best thing, right? The next big thing that's going to hit the market and the things we should be prioritizing are the sleep and the nutrition aspects of it. 
yeah, you can't eat, you, you can't out eat sleep. You can't out supplement sleep. Uh, the players that I worked with, and I, I'm trying, I, I had a, I think it's about 50, 55 tour pros plus, well, and loads of elite amateurs. Yeah. The tour pros that slept the best, I'm not going to name them, but the tour pros that I work with slept the best, you could see it in their performance. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a huge... Jet lag didn't seem to affect them as much because they can't say, hey, okay, I'm going to play in China for two weeks. I'm going to travel out early. No, they're not going to do that. Sometimes they could be in China and have to travel somewhere else. Right. Again, sleep is a huge thing. And again, there's a lot of research that's supporting Like the less sleep you get, the likelihood of you getting hurt goes up, right? So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of research that's, that's showing that as well for especially a lot of the youth athletes that we talk about, right? These youth athletes nowadays are with the social medias and the, the, the smartphones, they're not sleeping as well as they should. And then all of a sudden they want to play at, at a high level and they're, they're not seeing those performance gains kind of happen. And you, you can kind of point to sleep being a huge factor in that. I mean, some kids are sneaking there. Like you take taking the youth athlete, it might be eight or nine. They're bringing their smart, they, they, their smartphones have to be taken off them because parents are finding them two yeah. or three o'clock in the morning still on their phone. Right. It's crazy. It's, it's crazy, but um, that's, that's kind of the society we live in nowadays, unfortunately, you know? One of the things I used to love when I was traveling is when we didn't have Wi-Fi in the planes because nobody could bother you for 10, right. 12 hours. Right, yeah. Leave me alone. Right, it's so true. Yeah, unfortunately. The worst thing I think that, that hasn't been good for us, well, I think social media is not perfect, but the email on the phone. Yeah. Bing, bing, bing. Like I switched my phone on to do not disturb so I don't get the notifications in the email and then yeah. just leave it at that. The yeah. other thing, you'll, the other things that, that I've seen lately, the Juve lights, red spectrum, blue blocker uh, glasses. Yeah, sure. Normatec's been around long enough. Yeah. Now the research is not exactly perfect for the Normatec, but if the athlete gets a good perceived benefit from it, we can't knock it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, client, if, the expectation I, too, yeah. like, that's a huge part of it. And if, if, a, if say if it's a corporate client, you work with an amateur, I'd make sure that if they were flying a lot for business, make sure they're wearing compression socks, simple little things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty thin through my calves. I'm not on a big calf by any means, but I don't feel good if I don't have my, if I didn't have my compression socks on. Sure. Uh, the, even from our point of view, the, the guns, we won't name them by thingy, but I like using my hands. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I know that there are athletes and people that will buy these guns. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I'm on the same boat. Like it's again, the, the, the feedback that you get um, from your hands while using whatever soft tissue technique you're doing. I think that gives you a lot of information as to kind of what's going on. And then from a supplement point of view, if you talk about recovery, cause we, I, I'm in the middle of doing my master's. Uh, I'm in, well, I'm fifth module of six in year one. Uh, we did. Uh, so protein, you should probably get for, if we go back to protein. You should be getting from your diet. Unless, and, if we're talking about rugby players, they probably have to supplement. Yeah. But a normal golfer is not going to have to supplement protein. Right. The right. thing that seems to be underestimated in the literature is creatine. Yeah. You and I would know as kids, oh, don't take it. It's going to give you cramping. It's going to affect your kidneys. Right. You can mega dose on the stuff, build it up into your system. It, it looks like it's got a lot. And it even has some benefits for concussion. Yeah. Increase the water in the brain right. and, and help, it, help the – so I think creatine is uh, – it's probably something that some athletes should look at. It's the, one of the most researched um, supplement, you know, and for some reason parents and coaches still kind of poo-poo for whatever reason when there is obviously very little side effects to what's going on with it long-term. 
And then uh, like the backstory that people know, I treat Glambia patient or patients that work for Glambia, which is a, a milk based company. Yeah. They own performance. I think it's performance nutrition or one of those. They own, they have a sister company. that's a performance nutrition. Sure. How they get their way is the byproduct of cheese. They were throwing it away. Crazy. So it's a multi-million pound or multi-million dollar sterling pound euro business for something that they throw away. Wow. So cleaner, I, what I'm saying to the athletes is cleaner, like in the US is very handy. You can get, you can get uh, Vega, you can get Garden of Life. I prefer the plant-based proteins and sure. then throw in the, the vegetable and, and berry mixes that yep. are included in them. That's a, if you get stuck, that's probably okay. Yeah. Good way, good place to kind of go in that realm. So, you know, Shane, maybe kind of talk about, you know, what you were seeing um, on the tour from a recovery strategy. Obviously we talked about nutrition. We talked about, uh, sleep, but are there, were there things that maybe some tour players that were kind of, were they gravitating towards anything with regards to recovery strategies um, that you saw maybe kind of the current trends that you were seeing? A lot of it would depend on where they were at uh, tournament wise, but so we got Norma tech was very popular with the players. Sure. Yeah. I didn't have one player that said he didn't like it. Yeah. They liked their hands on soft tissue work. Yeah. They, they liked that they, that their body was being taken care of. Right. And, if we look at the top hundred in the world, most players have a therapist and a strength and conditioning coach. Right. Either, either, either one or both. Again, I think you just prioritize your body, right? Your body is your best piece of equipment that you're utilizing on a daily basis, hitting however many balls per day and doing all this training. Now, if you're not going to invest in your body, then your body will then at some point in time tell you, Hey, something's up. We need to kind of get it, get it under control. You know? So when, when I first started, a lot of players would probably start, it took them a couple of years to get their money up. Like the money in golf now is, is totally different to the golf money that was available in 2009. Sure. So we started getting players maybe into their late twenties, early thirties. So we get a little bit later. So they did a lot of asymmetrical golf plays. <laughs> yeah. So that's a lot of balls hit. Yeah. Now we're starting to, these kids that are, say the elite juniors in Ireland or I guess a lot of them are going to, to college now in the States. Sure. These kids are going to be far better athletes. Yeah. But it has a problem. It goes two sides. Because they're a better golfing athlete, they're hitting the ball with huge differences in speed. Right. Victor Hovland, Matthew Wolf, these guys have come on straight on tour and won very quickly. Um, uh, Jakob Neiman from Chile, these yeah. guys are tour ready straight away. Right. This is the same as some of the NCAA basketball players that go to the NBA. Zion is a, he was built a beast and he'll probably even become more of a beast. Right. Right. The other thing is the players didn't necessarily demand anything, but they, they liked having somebody do the, the hands-on soft tissue work with their things come and go, but sleep, nutrition, maniotherapy and SNC is probably the, the four things that they, they should be looking at. Yeah. I haven't seen any funny other uh, recovery. Yeah. And again, I think, like you said, there are, there are always things that kind of come on the market then come off the market and, Maybe people kind of look into him and then come off. I think, like you mentioned, the prioritizing of sleep, nutrition, you know, some hands-on work, and then some strength conditioning. I think that can go a long way in, in creating those pillars for success long-term too. Absolutely. And we're their mechanic. Right. Yeah. Right. And, for sure. and as a player said to me in the past, if I can't play, I don't make money, right. which is an interesting in, in, from a golf point of view. They don't, the top players get endorsements that the players that are not so sponsors they're not going to make much money unless unless they play right yeah 
And again, that's just uh, even more reason to kind of prioritize a lot of stuff that we're kind of talking about here today. <clears throat> so let's do this, Shane. Let's kind of transition to our what's in the bag segment. A lot of the golfers who are listening to this podcast always like to kind of hear what go- our, our golf guests or our guests on the show are, are swinging. So give us an idea as to some of the clubs you've got in your bag. Okay. I could have gotten anything I wanted when I was on tour. <laughs> I, I knew the reps. It didn't bother me. Yeah. With all the travel, I didn't really get a chance to play golf. Yeah. I had lessons over the years, but I never really dug down. Yeah. But when I came off tour and had, knew I'd have more time, I got custom fitted last December. Nice. With a guy that won the club maker of the year in 2010. So four golf custom. So I'll give him a plug. He is really, go. really good. Awesome. He fits one of the most prestigious clubs in the world. We won't say it by name. But he's an extremely good club maker. I knew that the ins and outs of some of the, uh, the club building based on watching players and them talk about the, the equipment. I didn't have any brand loyalty when I went there. I've no, so I said, I said to the club maker, I said to, to Derek and Dave, I said, hey, I'm probably 18 handicap. <laughs> definitely double digits. Maybe 20-something on a bad day. Right. Give me the clubs that suit me. Yeah. So that's the really important thing. Is so if you're an amateur on listen to this podcast, don't pick it because of the brand. Sure. I said to him, I won't even look at what you've put in front of me. Yeah. So I eventually when I worked out, he so I ended up with Mizuno irons. Nice. With with the right shaft for me. Right. Some Mizuno hybrids. He gave me Callaway Rogue drivers and three wood and woods. Um I still have to find a good putter. <laughs> I'll be searching. Yeah. I'll just do a Jim Fiore and get my $5 putter. And, there you go. <laughs> but I, I know there's a lot of feel in that. Yeah. And uh, wedges at the moment are only, I told him, look, just give me some standard wedges. But I, I, if I had a choice, probably Vokey wedges. Yeah. Vokey's, you can't go wrong with Vokey's, that's for sure. What ball I'll play, I don't care, really. <laughs> t- t- I have to say Titleist, don't I? Don't be mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> well i think so too like I, I found the custom fitting process very handy and that's what i was going to speak if about. i had a stock club i needed i needed extra length i'm six foot two i need extra length in the golf club i'm not saying i have extortionate speed but i, I can swing the i swing the golf club with speed so i need something yeah. to tolerate the, that there's something to be said about the the, the proper club fitting right i think and, just yeah have tendency to kind of and pick I, the wall whatever it may be like yeah. club fitting can go a long way in changing the way you play your game and I, I, I went out, I think, once since the, obviously the coronavirus had closed. I thought the coronavirus, they keep the golf clubs open, being honest. So I thought I was going to go out and practice. I took my son's left-handed, so I got him a little driver for, he's five in November. So I got him a little driver, just to see if he's interested. He's left-handed, so Derek built a, a left-handed driver. So I brought him the race. So he, sits, he stands in front of me, I can see him. And <laughs> That's great. It's amazing how a, per, a, a better built club will take away your bad shots. Yeah, it's true. We're very lucky in the amateur game now because you can strike the ball very poorly and get a result. Right. And I would probably say in the pro game that there are players that are not good ball strikers, but the technology has leveled the playing field. Sure. That's, that's well said. So let's do this. Let's transition to our shotgun round, right? So this is where we're going we're gonna to ask you a bunch of questions. You can try and answer as best as you can without really th- thinking much about it. Yeah. All right, favorite golfer. I'm going to say Harrington. Yeah. <laughs> Irish, I got to work with him, and I have, the, like, Padraig is an absolute gentleman. That's awesome. 
How about favorite golf brand? I've always been a Nike fan. Or okay. Nike. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, we talked about the last dance earlier. I've, I've always been, been a Nike fan. Nice. I, I wouldn't say for golf, but yeah, I would say Nike. Just, yeah. Or I like Lululemon as well. Yeah. If you no, want to, I'm surprised they haven't sponsored a golfer. They, the best quality product. Uh, yeah. Athletic I'm, wear. I'm kind of surprised as well. I'm, I'm, maybe that'll change sooner than later. How about a uh, preferred drink or snack either while you're playing or maybe while you're working on tour? I ate a lot of those healthy gluten-free bars when I was on <laughs> tour. <laughs> Just a little snack. Right. Uh, I don't, I drink water, sparkling water. I don't, there's no, yeah. and if alcohol, cider. Nice. Nice. Good way to go. How about a uh, cart or walk? I like to walk. Yeah, I nearly toppled it. We had a we had a training week for a golf company when I was working, and I nearly toppled the golf cart. <laughs> Don't ask, but it, yeah, it was a bit some silly driving for me, and right. there was no alcohol involved. <laughs> All right, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> How about uh, Caddyshack or Happy Gilmore? Happy Gilmore. <laughs> no, all day long. <laughs> I've I've met Bill Murray at the AT and T Pro. I mean, not, I mean, I'm I'm but Happy it's, Gilmore. It's, I guess my generation. It's, yeah, yeah, for sure. How about a favorite golf memory for you? I'm sure there's been a lot for you, but how about a favorite golf memory? There's a few. Okay. I'll keep them short. Yeah. Uh, the first tour win I ever had, or well, not my win, it's a player's win, but right. being part of a, a, right. a, a player's uh, tour win was Ross Fisher won the Irish Open in 2010. Nice. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was nice. to like. I know we might have like 0.0001% as part of the team, but it was nice to be part of that. Yeah. Michael, Michael Hoey won the, I wasn't with him that week, but Michael Hoey went in the Dunn Links. Uh, he started work with us that year and his, that he had his standout season. It was really fantastic to see that. Shane Lowry winning WGC in Bridgestone. I was with him that week as well. And I mean, Shane's a great guy as well. And it yeah. was fantastic seeing him win. And, and I, I wasn't working with him when he won the Open, but I'm not surprised. Yeah. He is hand, like you can't train how good his hands are. Sure. It's just a natural gift. He's a field player. And I got to work with Padraig when he won the Portuguese Masters a couple of years ago as well. So that was nice. So the, that was some of the golf. And I think the, being a happy Gilmore friend, the, getting to work the AT&T program a number of times, it's, it's amazing to see all the celebrities around yeah. that area. So That's got to be cool. Uh, yeah. And I'm sure it's really gratifying for you, right? You're going to be a small part of the whole the culmination of getting a tour player and having them win and celebrate the win with them. That's gotta be an awesome experience for you. And then the other experience I would say as a fan of golf is going to Augusta, going to the masters. Yeah. Words do not describe pictures. And you do not describe that place is well, wow. it's going to be amazing how it see what it looks like in November. Oh well, yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens. All right. How about someone you'd recommend? Uh, we reach out to be a guest on the show. Harry Cisse, Dr. Harry Cisse. Yeah. Uh, again, Harry and I, we've, we, our paths have kind of crossed through social media and we've kind of you yeah. know, shot messages back and forth, but we'd love to kind of get him on the show at some point. Uh, and let me see who else. Robbie Cannon from Ireland, strength coach. She works after, looks after Shane. Oh yeah. I've heard of that name. Yeah. Uh, Rob Goldup looks after Francesco Malinari. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Marnus Moraes is a physical therapist in the West coast based San Diego. You know that name as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've worked with Marnus on tour. We we had some <laughs> we had some good times. And actually, 
a guy that's not massively on social media. He works with, he's worked with Justin Rose for a long time. Is uh, very sometimes stay away from the noisy vessels. Is I, re, I have a, a lot of respect for Justin Buckthorpe as well. Awesome. Uh, he he's a strength conditioning coach, but he also did a master's in nutrition. Awesome. Well, we'll make sure we kind of write those names down and see if we can kind of yeah. what we can do to kind of reach out to them. That'd be awesome. All right. So Shane, maybe some let's end with maybe some words of wisdom for you. Let's say for someone who is looking to play golf whether recreationally or maybe kind of at another level, you know, what are, what are some things that you would maybe kind of, you know, recommend or maybe a piece of advice that you would recommend when it comes to trying to play golf at a relatively high level, but also stay healthy and fit at the same time. Okay. I think we touched on before sleep nutrition. Yeah. Don't underestimate, particularly if you're a high, high level business executive and you have a stressful job, yeah. you need to look after those two things because yeah. the body breaks down. You can't play golf. I would invest money in your, a good manual therapist and a strength and conditioning coach. Yeah. Cause they, they, and I think there's a number of, there's a, you got to build a team around you. This, that'd be kind of corny with the TPI model. They're hundred percent correct. You build a team around you. So I wouldn't necessarily pick the, the coach that's got the best name for an amateur. Yeah. You need the coach that's going to suit you. So you've got to have a connection with them and they've got to use the best qualities of your individual golf swing. Cause no two golf swings are the same okay. and we never swing the golf club the same individually. Right. We ask we can't repeat the swing. Right. So finding a coach that you connect with, so get the lessons, get the grips. If it's a young junior and I know Padraig's been doing Paddy talks on his Instagram. Right. Right. Uh, and I know I've talked to Padraig about it. The grip is very important for kids. Yeah. And I think if you're, if you've, if you've a kid that you want to be them to be a late junior, Things have moved on a little bit from these windows, the growth windows. So the, what I would suggest for recommended reading is Roger Lloyd's work. Yeah. Uh, he looks at the youth development model, or youth, a YTD model, looking at the fundamental skills. I think that's a far a little bit better because every kid's got a little different yes. biological to chronological age. So yep. they, they're physically might be different where they, they are. Uh, I even seen in the last six weeks, my son, Davin, who's nearly five, he's sprouted up. We have to, we had to get him new clothes. Since then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's in, it, is it, and you have to get, I think custom, if you can afford it, I wouldn't necessarily put it top of my list, but do get custom fit if you can yep. Yep. And, and work, work through there. And I think too, like you, some of the things you kind of talked about, I mean, some of these things are very, <clears throat> you need to kind of figure out what works best for you. Right. And I think that's the important part is that you can go with the, the top coach or the top instructor, whatever it be, but if it doesn't, if their philosophy maybe doesn't mesh well with yours, then yeah. maybe it's not the right match, you know? So, so it's like we could use the, this, this, this is an example I would use. If you're an, if you're okay, let's take, let's use a case study. We've a 30 year old, 35 year old engineering executive, right? You're very technical. Yep. If he goes to a coach that's, communicating a lot about feel and not going to work yep. and the opposite if it's if, if he's a very feel like he's a he's an artist or he does something and he goes to a coach that's technical he's in trouble right right yeah you got to find something that works best for you yeah. probably the best golf coach in the world is one we don't know about <laughs> it's true yeah so Shane, I really appreciate you jumping on this call here with us. And um, for those who maybe want to learn more about what you're doing or maybe want to reach out, uh, what's, what's the best way for them to do that? I am all, I'm on all social media platforms at Golf Cairo. Awesome. My personal website is thegolfcairo.com. 
Gotcha. Send me an e- and the other thing is important. I, I think we have to all pay it forward in, in, in our respective positions. So if somebody emails me or sends me a DM, I will reply. And most likely reply within a couple hours, depending on time zone. Yeah, I can attest to that. I mean, again, Shane and I have, have kind of hooked up through social media and we've been able to kind of, you know, have some conversation about getting Shane on the podcast and here we are doing it. So yeah. uh, I think, you know, the nice thing about social media is the ability to kind of network with people that are like-minded and share the same type of passion with regards to the sport of golf or whatever athletics that they're in. So this has been a great conversation, Shane. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for your time, Russ. So what we'll do is we'll put Shane's contact information in the show notes so that you guys can reach out to him if you want to, if you want to do that. Uh, thanks so much again for listening to the Pain-Free Golf Performance Podcast, and we'll catch you on the next one. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much again for listening to this week's episode of the Pain-Free Golf Performance Podcast. If you enjoy the content of this show, we would love it if you would leave an iTunes review to help us grow and expand our ability to provide you with the golf information you are seeking. If you're listening to this show and are dealing with aches, pains, or issues from golf that haven't been resolved, or you're not exactly sure where to turn, then let us know how we can help. Whether you are local or not, you can work directly with us through our pain-free golf performance program, which is completely virtual and online. This program is customized to you and your goals of playing your best golf yet. We would assess how well you move to give us a baseline of what you can do, and then based on that assessment, come up with a training program best suited for you. We are offering a special podcast promotion, which gives you access to our program at a reduced rate. You can inquire by going to manaperformancetherapy.com forward slash pain-free golf. Again, mana is spelled M-A-N-A. So it's manaperformancetherapy.com forward slash pain-free golf and use the promo code podcast when inquiring so we can help you feel better and play better golf. Be sure to tune into next week's episode and we'll catch you then.